Forget everything you've ever heard about dieting. What if you could eat the foods you love and find a way to get fit that was actually enjoyable? Welcome to Have It All with Devin Alexander. The chef from TV's Biggest Loser has lost 70 pounds and kept it off for over 30 years. She has also helped others to stop yo-yo dieting and actually transformed their lives. Now, here's your host, Devin Alexander. Hey, everyone. I'm so excited to be here today, and I'm excited about my guest. We all know him from NBC's Biggest Loser, Mike Messina, uh, won the at-home title of season 13. So he'll be joining us in a couple minutes, and uh, he has done a phenomenal job. I've gotten to see him over the years. We've actually become friends, and uh, I've gotten to see him over the years. He's done a phenomenal job of keeping off and um, really living the lifestyle. So he's going to have a ton of great tips for you. Uh, In the meantime, though, I wanted to tell you a little bit about my week and what I'm learning right now, um, because I think it will be of help to everyone. So basically, I am in interview mode. There's a couple roles in my office that I need to fill. I'm kind of in this building mode and super excited about it. Um, so I've been interviewing and I find it amazing that the culture and, and the reason I really want to talk to you about this is, you know, I talk a lot about going after your dreams and getting your dream job and all of that. And people think that this, it's like, woo, so out there and so difficult and they don't even know where to begin. Um, the funny thing is being on the side of the person who's interviewing, it is amazing to me, like the lack of personalization now, like I am desperate when I go to these interviews like I obviously as a business owner I don't want to spend a ton of time interviewing like I don't have time you know so when I get a resume that jumps out at me because it was personalized it's like oh thank god you know and I want to learn more about that person and then when I get to the interview stage When they're coming in, you know, there's so many people who are so nervous and I don't blame them because, you know, it could potentially be a dream for them. What they don't realize that I think would help you in really quelling your nerves when you go after things is that person on the other side of the desk, in this case, me, is as nervous as you are because I'm looking for basically the only person in my life who is as significant as like my boyfriend. I mean, literally like this person who I hire as my personal assistant will, if I get, you know, when I was doing my PBS show, Jordan, who was my rock star assistant at the time, like she jumped on a plane with me and she traveled around the country and we shared suites at hotels. And, you know, you really are. I mean, in this case, like it's such an important role in my life and I'm supposed to, you know, have someone walk into an interview and like figure out, I mean, obviously I do a couple interviews and we have them cook a little bit and things, but I mean, it's really, it's a very short period of time. Like think about how many times you've dated someone for two months or three months and then decided, oh, they're not a fit. Like it doesn't work that way in, uh, in hiring. So So the one thing I wanted to say was just if you are nervous, you are going after something, just know that that person is as nervous as you are and they are wanting, like I am cheerleading for every person who walks through that door to be amazing. Like the best thing that could have happened in my six interviews yesterday was for me to be like, wow, there are six great people. I I wonder which one I should do so that I could dig deeper. 
Um, so that's one thing, as I said, like when you're going after those things, just really think about, you know, the other person's experience too is as nerve wracking as yours and, and they want you to be a solution. So be that solution and you'll have your dream. And then on the second part of that is I started to say that it's fascinating to me how few people like personalize things. I, um, had my job posting and there's all of these now on websites like you can do a quick apply and it basically spits your resume to someone honestly I put those in my junk folder immediately like I don't even look at them if you are I I want somebody in my office who thinks that this is a unique opportunity that they will want to be with for a long time like that it really jumps out at them and they're like oh my god this is a perfect role for me and if that's the case like you would want somebody to actually be like, hey, Devin, you know, this is why I want this job or say something that makes me realize that they're actually qualified, not that they're just desperate for an assistant position. So they're sending out to 400 roles. And I also will say that I had a boyfriend many years ago who was having trouble. He was super brilliant. He was a science teacher. He was a musician and he taught science and music at school and when I met him he was in a really bad place because the Los Angeles school districts were riffing people which is basically like laying them off and um, he was worried that he was going to get riffed at his school and I was like well just start applying for other jobs and he was like oh I've been doing that and I haven't gotten an interview in like four years and I'm like how have you not gotten an interview in four years like he was smart he was totally capable. I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. So I was like, can I see your resume? So I rewrote his resume and then I put it in a test tube because he was a science teacher and then wrapped it up in a package and tied it like it was a gift. And then we found seven schools that were hiring and I had him drive to the schools and drop them off in in person. Guess how many interviews he got? Not only did he get six of the seven interviews, four of the principals wanted to talk to him at that time um, because they thought it was so creative. He stood out. They had a mound of resumes. Like, people are busy. You know, you're busy. You don't have time to read a stack of resumes. If someone comes in with this presentation, like, think about how much that would be like, wow, to the person receiving it. So... I've had a couple of people over the years do things like that for me. And like, I want to meet them. Like I want to meet them immediately because as I said, you're throwing yourself on the top of the pile. So this week I would love for you to think about whether it's you are applying for something or you are just doing anything in life. Like how can you personalize that a little more to get people's attention? I think I've talked about this before, not extensively, but most of my career has come about by stalking people like that. I mean, I joke about stalking, but like literally I waited to, I figured out where someone worked and I got in the elevator, like this big executive. And I got in the elevator at the same time he did because I wanted to be on his TV show. And that was the first TV show that I was ever on. He didn't know that I did that until much later. But, you know, I mean, I wasn't going to, like, do anything scary, but I was like, oh, aren't you Rob Weller? I'm like, I love your show. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. And um, it actually worked out. And I ended up on this show called Smart Solutions. So, as I said, if you're really willing to go the extra mile, like anything, 
you can have your dreams come true. Now, speaking of the extra mile, I am now going to jump into talking to Mike because I don't want to miss any of his great insights. Um, Mike, as I said, Mike Messina, he was the winner or the at-home winner of NBC's hit show, The Biggest Loser, season 13. He was eliminated in the second week, as I'm sure a lot of you have seen, and he went home, stayed focused, worked extra hard like I'm talking about, and lost more weight than any of the other contestants and ultimately won that $100,000 prize. Um, He lost 160 pounds, which is 44.69% of his body weight, going from 358 pounds to 198 pounds in just six months. So he knew that his life was in serious danger. He realized he needed to get healthy and he is totally committed to helping others do the same. His passion for health and fitness has turned into a quest to make a life altering difference for others. He's a certified personal trainer and a dear friend of mine. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, Devin, great to be here. I'm so excited. So tell us, tell us where you are now. Because I'm sure that's what everyone most wants to know. <laughs> well, I am. I'm still learning so much right now. I'm just in this kind of discovery phase. Like I really got, I think, to the point where I was able to master, you know, the the physical aspect, the uh, the math part of losing weight and and keeping it off, and it became kind of my identity, and I. You know, I really pushed my philosophies on other people, and it, and it really backfired on me. So I've really just, for the past couple of years, just really been digging into self-work and been fascinated by that, been fascinated by the things that were, that were missing in my life that were, you know, kind of stopping, stopping me and holding me back from helping others. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I know that you, I mean, obviously I've seen you a ton. I know that you've done a phenomenal job and I will say, I, I know that you were on a pretty strict regime for a while. Like I, I mean, I've always admired anybody who can do that because I don't have willpower. Um, I, I have never like something about being on such a regimented program always caused me anxiety so much so that it would cause me to lose weight. I mean, to gain weight And it wasn't until that I kind of let go of that and, you know, really, um, I don't know, like sort of indulged a little bit more that I was able to be more free. So I'm curious where you are with that now. Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting journey. Um, you know, like you said, I I was kind of a, kind of a Nazi about it for myself. I, I trained it's very similar to when I was on the show and yeah, I cut it back a little bit because you know, that just would, would have been way too much. But ultimately I, you know, I, I trained two, three hours a day. I still, you know, really focused on my food and weighed and measured it. And it, it almost got to the point at one point where I was getting too skinny. So I think it became really an obsession and that obsession was not what I had envisioned for my life. And I really struggled with all the other aspects of my life because, you know, I was morbidly obese for 41 years. And I think back to when when I was in the thick of that, that you know, emotional pain and, and, and the devastation of being that big and that unhappy. 
and the visions that I had of, oh, wow, when I'm, you know, when I'm rock star skinny, I'm going to have all the girls, everything is just going to, just money is going to flow from the sky and, and everything is just going to be so natural and easy. And then when I got that, well, I could look in the mirror and see that. But then the reality of the rest of life um, was very complicated because I had never really stepped into my power. I'd never really stepped into who I was as a human being, how I affected other people. And so it was a big letdown for me. You know, and I'm sure that a lot of people who have never um, known what it's like to be healthy and then they get, you know, the, the body there, but then <clears throat> the emotional side, the, the, uh, the, the relationship side of, of, of life still needs a lot of work. So in my opinion, that, that's why I think a lot of people gained all the weight back is because they haven't dealt with their emotional inner turmoil. And so yeah. for me, that's, that's probably the most important thing. Well, it's so funny that you say that because I went through that same thing. Like, you know, I weighed 200 when I was 15. When I was 27, I had like a total come to Jesus because I was always like, I thought, you know, oh, if I was a size two, I had this fantasy that I could go into even a clothing store and put on anything and it would just be easy. And like, the truth is I have a tiny upper body. I have a bigger lower body. And I mean, so much so that like, I don't look bigger on TV than I do in person. Um, mostly because you only see my upper body most of the time. So I've had a lot of experiences where people will be like, I thought you were supposed to look bigger on TV. And like, they've actually suggested that I look bigger in real life. Um, and, you know, that's a little painful. But what I was going to say about it is, you know, I'm always going to have bigger hips. I got to the point where my upper body was so small that my mom was like worried about me and sort of kind of what you said. Like I was never anorexic. I was never um, at that point, like it wasn't really too thin, but I was really thin to get my hips where I wanted. And, you know, the truth is like, it doesn't work that way. You don't suddenly get every guy and you don't suddenly go into a store and throw on anything and it looks perfect. Like I still need to wear A-line dresses to look my best. Um, and so, yeah, some of those realities did make me big, as you said, like that's when I went to therapy. That's when I really started digging deep because you kind of get there and then you're like, oh crap, I'm not really there. But, um, no, I mean, that's case in point. Like we really want to start, you know, no matter where you are, like start working on the whole package. Um, because then when you do lose that weight, you like feel so amazing. <laughs> Completely. Yeah. Huh. So where, like, where are you now? Like, what do you tell us a little bit about like what your day-to-day -day life, like what works for you? You know, recently, um, I've had some epiphanies and, and I think, I think there, for me, there, there has to be some joy in, in what you're doing. There has to be, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it has to be fun. <laughs> it, it, it has to like light you up. And if it doesn't, and you're there and you're, it's drudgery and you're having some, you know, drill sergeant tell you what to do. Um, that, that only lasts as long as you can afford that 75 bucks or hundred bucks a session. Uh, it's really, it, it's complicated and that works for some people. I'm not saying don't do it, but I think it's temporary. 
Well, it is. And honestly, for me, like the biggest, the biggest thing that I have a problem with, you know, in doing something that regimented and again, no judgment on anybody who does it. If this is joy in your life, then work outside. I mean, honestly, if I was, you know, I go to my tennis club and some of these women play tennis like four hours a day and they have wealthy husbands and that's their lifestyle. And, you know, every once in a while, I'm like, huh, I could do that for a little while. I'm sure I personally couldn't for a long time. But I mean, if it's that much fun, if you're in a competitive league and that's your social life and all of that, then sure, go work out four hours a day. But to do the, yeah, like in a gym, to me, it's not social per se. It's not like all these other things that do bring joy, as you said. So it feels like a waste of time. And honestly, if I were ever like, I need to work out four hours a day. Like I would want to be doing it by like loading boxes at a food shelter or something um, where I was like giving back in the process because otherwise I feel like, I don't know. I just wouldn't feel fulfilled. Totally get that. You know, this conversation and what you were talking about reminds me of a story about Rosetto, Italy. So tell you a story real quick there there's these 14 guys and they're walking down a hill from the hillsides where they live four miles down to go work in the quarries by the ocean uh, on the Italian coast. And every day they walk down this hill and they walk four miles down the hill. They work for 10 hours in these mines. Ooh, you know what? We have about 30 seconds before we need to go to commercial break. So let's uh, pick this up as soon as we go back. I'm sure that this will be an awesome story and I can't wait. So stay tuned, everyone. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Tune in to the Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and special VIP co-hosts for an entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussion with some of the top stars in their fields, from business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, literature, and current events. If you're looking for what's next and comparing it to what's now or what's past, look no further than the Spotlight with Tony D'Urso every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. If you're looking to grow your business, enjoy fascinating relationships, achieve your goals, and find hope in a seemingly hopeless world, you'll want to tune into Coffee with Christy. Host Christy Dryling and her incredible guests have a frank and open discussion every week. Think of it as a time to meet with your mentors, get the motivation you need, and remove the obstacles one hour at a time. Coffee with Christy is heard live every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Influencers. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Have It All with Devin Alexander. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to fans at devinalexander.com. Now, back to Have It All. 
Hey everyone, I am here with Mike Messina, the at-home winner of season 13 of The Biggest Loser and a dear friend of mine uh, who I have gotten to keep in touch with during the course of the show. Mike was just starting to tell us a story before the break, so I'm going to let him jump back into that. Hey. Hey. So back to the story. So these Italian guys in Rosetto, Italy, um, they, got, they have a really hard life and they work in the mines and they have to walk eight miles a day just to get to work and back. And they're really struggling. And, and this guy, Luigi, uh, says to Mario, hey, you know, this place in America, they, they, got a, they got a lot of good stuff over there. There's a lot of money to be made and people are happy and we should go there. And so they decide, 14 of them get together and decide to come to America and so they land in New York and they make their way to Pennsylvania. And they start working over there, doing the same kind of work, working in the mines, but they don't have to walk the eight miles and life is much better. They have much more opportunity and more money. So this little town in Rosetto, Italy has 1,400 people. Between 1880 and 1920, the whole town moved to Pennsylvania. So now there's 1,500 of these, these people from Rosetto, Italy and they decide they're going to start a new town in Pennsylvania and name it Rosetto. So fast forward to 1960, and they've been there uh, 60 years, uh, 80 years actually. And a doctor comes through town and he starts, he starts checking the people out. And he realizes that no one has cancer. No one commits suicide. People are happier. And he's wondering, what, what's the deal? What's going on? And so he starts to test the water and test the air. And it's just the same as everywhere else. There's got to be something going on here. And he cannot figure it out because they're the healthiest people he's ever seen. Yet they're fat. They smoke. They drink. It's really confusing. And he discovers that it's nothing to do with anything other than community. Everyone has each other's back. The poor people get taken care of by the rich people. The families live close together. So for me, the takeaway from this story from Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers is that it's really the people you hang around. If you want to be healthy, you hang around healthy people. You talk about healthy things. You play beach tennis. You go bowling. You go for nice walks in the park. Or you hang out with people that sit on the couch and watch TV and eat TV dinners. It's you get what you talk about. You know, words really do create your world. And that's for me, that story is so powerful. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. We have talked about that a number of times here. It's so funny. It's and I have a friendship expert, Shasta Nelson, coming on in a couple of weeks. Um, I didn't know there was a friendship expert until I happened upon her. But so I'm excited about that. I believe that's two weeks from now. But I, yeah, it is amazing. Like you certainly, I say this all the time. It's not like you want to be like, I'm not going to hang out with any of the people who've mattered to me before. Of course you do. Um, you still keep in touch with those people and you still have a special place in your heart all the time. But you're right. Like you need the community around you has to be people that inspire you and lift you up. I know Larry Broughton said that too. And, and again, it's so true. Like I know tonight I'm actually, uh, Speaking for NALBO, which is National Association of Women Business Owners here in Los Angeles, if anybody's in town, um, on a panel of women, it's called the Business of Looking Good, which for me as a former overweight person is kind of funny, like 
never in my life did I think I'd be talking on that topic. Um, but it's all about, you know, feeling good and looking good and how we created businesses around that to help others. Um, and, you know, like just being around women like that, like I know I'm going to leave that supercharged up hearing these women who've started these companies, like hearing their stories and whether they're your close friends. I mean, I'm so blessed to be around you and so many of the biggest loser contestants in some ways, you know, some people I think get helped by me and others help me. So you're absolutely right. Where are you these days in, I know, I know, you know, that you're doing super well, but I'd love for you to show that with other people. So physically, is that what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not net. Well, I mean, basically I just want to say that I think you look awesome and that, you know, like a lot of people on the show, you know, people get super skinny, um, which I don't believe is necessarily like I could technically work out three hours a day and I could, you know, never eat ketchup and I could never have chocolate and I could be a size zero and like, quote, perfect with all sorts of muscles. And to me, though, that's not life. Like I would rather be my size four, size six max, you know, stay in that zone, have a happy life, eat chocolate, to be able to eat you know, food so that I can develop recipes. So I feel like you have found that place now. And like, I kind of want to celebrate that with you. Yeah. So, you know, I actually started um, my weight loss journey at 372 pounds, even though the show says I was 358. And then I got down to 195 at my lowest. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something psychologically that happens with, uh, you know, people like myself that were morbidly obese and then lost, you know, almost 200 pounds, um, your body is not, it, it's not filled out anymore. It's like a balloon that got popped. So you've got a couple of choices where you can, uh, you can gain weight back and then fill in the, you know, that loose skin. So you look a little chubby, but, you know, less deformed than you do if you have really low body fat, like I did at my lowest weight. And then you just look kind of you know, a little bit popped. So it's, it can be an emotional, psychological kind of mind F, if you will. Um, and I was okay with it. You know, there's compression clothes. There's things that you can do to look normal, quote unquote, after you lose all that weight. But it's definitely something that I had to deal with. And, you know, there's many or at least several, you know, Biggest Loser contestants who've cut it off and are really super happy about that. I'm a little scared to do that, um, going under the knife like that. A little wacky. So I think in my mind, I wanted to test kind of what it would be like to put a little bit of weight on because people would tell me I look gaunt, you're too skinny. Um, and so that oh, that messed with me a little bit as well. So anyway, you know, I started to just not focus on my food so much, not work out as much. And like I said, really work on communication and, and trying to be around people that inspired me to uh, to grow as a human being. And just a totally different conversation and not so much in the workout food thing. And then, you know, they drink beers and, and, uh, you know, eat pub food and that kind of thing. So I just kind of, you know, I jumped in and I've been able to get to a point where, uh, I've gone from 195 to 250 and I feel it's taken me a while because the transformation of going back up again, um, somewhat, it's hard to uh, handle a little bit. You know, you go from 
you know, 42 long coat, which uh, the tailor from The Biggest Loser at the finale said that, oh, you look much better than a George Clooney. You're the same size, though. <laughs> Mr. Uh. Kim's Korean tailor was hilarious. Uh. <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, to go from that, what people see as being the perfect Hollywood body to, um, to being, you know, your average soccer dad <laughs> at 250 pounds. But, uh, so I, I've gone, gone up to that to 250 and it's a, it's comfortable for me. I've been able to accept it. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm strong and I'm healthy and I work out some and I eat pretty well. Sometimes I don't eat that well, but I'm just living my life at this point because I haven't, I, I've stopped judging myself and I've stopped judging everybody else. And it's really been a difficult one for me because I grew up in this Italian family that were prejudiced and were um, judged everything. And it, it was my upbringing. So breaking that cycle of being judgmental about myself and other people has been hugely transformative for me to be able to be at 250 pounds and be okay with it. Uh, do I, would I like to be, you know, less body fat, stronger? Of course, everybody would. Um, but that's not my, you know, it's not my whole life to be a bodybuilder in, in order to have those kind of rock star bodies. You know, I live in Hollywood and I've trained with these actors out here and their whole life revolves around a meal plan, uh, training every day, looking their best, flexing in the mirror so they can, you know, create that perfect symmetry. Like if that's your life, if you want to be a bodybuilder, if you want to be an actor, I say go kill it. Um, but for regular folks that are looking to do, to have a regular life and to be healthy, I think focusing less on what aesthetically what's going on and more on how can you move? Can you bend over and pick up a box without hurting your back? Can you walk down the stairs without your, your knees hurting? Can you do the activities of daily living that um, everyone has to do every day? Get up and out of a chair excuse me, in and out of a car. If you can do that and feel good and look in the mirror and, and be okay with where you're at, then in my opinion, that's, that's okay. Well, even beyond that, you know, I had the pleasure of working with Samantha Harris um, on a video for a health company. And for those who don't know, she was the um, host of Dancing with the Stars and she had survived cancer. And when we were working together, she's like, I just want my body to work for me now. And she's like, it's really shifted the focus. And it was so interesting because she's a gorgeous woman, as we all know. And um, she hadn't gained weight. I mean, at least visibly, it didn't look that way to me. But, um, you know, it was interesting to hear her say that because I had focused on the wrong thing for a long time. Um, I would much rather, yeah, be cancer free because there's you know, there's a lot of chemicals you can eat to lose weight. You can, you know, eat a huge bowl of pickles with tons of sodium and it'll fill you up. And honestly, I used to do that all the time just because I didn't, I wanted to feel so full that I didn't want to eat anything fattening. And I'm like, oh, it's 15 calories. But like all of that salt was not good for my heart. So, and you know, we've all seen a lot of these, um, healthier cookbooks. I know there's one in particular that is just like chemical after chemical. It's like sugar-free ice cream with Splenda in it and things. And 
I mean, I have definitely, you know, talking about transformation, if people go and look at some of my earlier cookbooks, and even the first Biggest Loser cookbooks, it was a lot of that kind of stuff, like these unnatural sweeteners and, and just anything to be like few calories. And now I've transformed to a point that most of what I do is natural. And everything in the um, in the new book that I have coming out, like I'm super proud of, because in addition to being lower calorie and things, um, it is also natural. And yes, like there is a place for a little bit, you know, I know there's a lot of studies that have been coming out lately that things like even um, smoked sausage and, you know, some of the ingredients like center cut bacon that I use on occasion um, to really enhance flavors. Like I use them in small amounts, like they can, you know, increase your risks of cancer, which of course is true. Um, but in small amounts, I don't think it's a big deal. But if you're using like all of these things all of the time, you know, it, it really doesn't work in the long run. It doesn't serve you. It doesn't add to happiness. It just, you know, makes you feel bad and sick and all of that. So I'm really glad you pointed that out. The other thing I wanted to jump on with in what you said that I totally agree with is the judgmental thing. Like I talked about this last week, how people are online, like heckling other people every minute. Like I have a really strong game and vision and I get mad at myself when I even, you know, every once in a while, we all have those moments of, you know, you're not feeling your best and you waste time, like looking up an X and seeing where they are or whatever, and then feel bad about it. Or, I mean, I, as I said, I never heckle people online or you have that temptation. You see something and you're like, rawr, and you want to, but every moment that those thoughts are not on your bigger vision or bigger purpose is a huge waste of time. And my biggest waste of time ever was weighing myself all the time. Like I was so obsessed that I spent so many hours weighing myself and now I'm just so much happier. And Mike, it sounds like, you know, you've found that and I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, you know, social media and and the internet and the connectivity that we have today. It's amazing. It's done so much for me, like, you know, being able to watch YouTube videos and TED Talks and inspiring people's stories. And I've been, you know, very much caught up in the world of, um, of other people and what they've been able to accomplish and what they've been been able to teach me. And it's, it would have never happened without technology. And at the same time, it also stops if you become just totally encapsulated and it's your whole life. It, it takes you away from your own journey. It takes you away from your own work. And in my opinion, from what I've found for myself at least, and I would say other people will corroborate this, it's really your own work that makes you the happiest. When you're doing the work that matters the most to you, when you would do that work for free and you can lose yourself in it for five or six hours and not even know where the time went, that is your like your true self. And and getting caught up in like Trump and the, the state of the, the world and, and, and that, those kind of things and then commenting on it and all this other stuff can really cause you a lot of um, emotional turmoil and really cause you to gain weight because you're not doing the things that really make you happy. Because when you're doing those things, um, that's, you know, that's where your real heart's calling, journey, whatever you want to call it is. And uh, for me, I've just like totally killed my social media. I, I'll, I'll hit it every once in a while, go onto Facebook and go through it and go, oh my God, no, I don't want to look at this anymore. Um, and it's not that I never will again. I just think that for me, I have so much work to do on myself 
uh, you know, from from a financial standpoint, from a from a, a, an emotional standpoint, there's so much work that I still need to do that if I if I catch myself caught up in other people's stories too much and lose myself in that, you know, for me, I fear that um, I'll just have wasted so much time. And at the end of the day, we're all going to die. So every minute kind of does count. And I really want to be doing, if I died right now, I'd be happy because I would, I'm doing something that matters to me because I feel like I'm making a difference. So well, I'm... Yeah, I'm really glad you said that, and I'm really glad you brought up TED Talks, because I think people know that I go to a lot of seminars. Like, actually, I'm going to a three-day thing called EO Alchemy this weekend, and it's power speaker after power speaker. Last year, um, Sean Stevenson was there. He's a quadriplegic who, like, was so empowering with his stories, but Mike, you invited me to TED Talks, and I think... You know, we had been friends before that, but I was like, wow, I think it's so cool that you were going to those. And, you know, obviously I showed up because I love those things. But for those who don't have the resources right now to go to something like EO Alchemy that I'm going to or, you know, to some of these, you know, Tony Robbins seminar, not that I'm promoting any specific thing, Um I mean, I do love my entrepreneur organization, and I am going to have the president um, on as a guest soon as well, um, Kalika Yap. But, you know, it it is those things like TED Talks. Like, you can go online. If you're having a bad moment, go online, find a TED Talk from someone who, you know, has completely transformed their lives and listened to their story and realize, like, how grateful you you should be and how lucky you have it. Um, if you're otherwise having trouble, because I know when I'm in that feel sorry for myself place where we all go, hope, you know, fortunately, I've gotten to a point that I only let myself pity myself for a minute or two here and there, not for a long time. But um, on this note, I'm going to go to another break. Um, but when we come back, we'll continue to elaborate on all of this. Stay tuned, everyone. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Have It All with Devin Alexander. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's one 866 472-5795 or send an email to fans at devinalexander.com Now, back to Have It All. Hey everyone, I'm back with Mike Messina, season 13 at-home winner of NBC's Biggest Loser. He has been killing it for years. Um, he, like many of us, um, you know, transformed. He went from being morbidly obese to super, super crazy fit where you're like, athletes aren't in that kind of shape, um, which I did too for a brief stint, not as long as Mike did. And now he's back in like normal guy mode. He's healthy. He's active. He's, um, you know, still on the journey, even though, what year was that, Mike? That you, when was 13? 2012. 2012. Yeah. So you're like five years in, you know, really kind of 
exploring, you know, the permanency of it, I guess. And, and I would love for you to share a little bit about, you know, how do you decide what to eat now? Are you counting calories? Are you on a meal plan? Do you wing it a little more? Like what, what does normal life look for you? Look like for you? At this point, um, <clears throat> I've given up the weighing and measuring and um, paying too close of attention. I, I just try to stick to whole foods, um, things that have one one name in the ingredients, and then mixing those things together: broccoli, brown rice, um, and not not getting too crazy with the sauces, mm-hmm. and just making sure that it's not processed <clears throat> as much as possible. And you know, occasionally throwing something in there that that some people would say is not healthy. Um, but I, I'm just trying to live. And I, I, I don't say that it's a treat. I just say that I enjoy those things from time to time. Right. Yeah, my, I mean... It doesn't want to put the weight back on. At the end of the day, it's it, it wants to be heavy because it's so used to it. Well, I would almost invite you to try to shift that mindset. Um it's, it's funny because I am going into coach mode here, but I, I talk about this a lot. Um, I agree with you that, you know, there is an element to that. There's no question. And there's an element to women who are over 40 gaining weight. I've, I've talked about this numerous times. How many times I'll go and give a speech and people will come up to me and be like, that was amazing and I'm so inspired. I just wonder what it's going to be like for you when you turn 40 and, you know, as if I don't know what I'm talking about. And I let them finish and then I'm like, thank you for that feedback. I'm 46, you know, and, and I think that um, I think we all, like I have so many blocks myself that I do sometimes, you know, I'm more about dating, although not right now, because I actually have a boyfriend <laughs> who's been around for more than a couple months. I know, right? Crazy. Awesome. <laughs> but um, someone invited me a few months ago to stop saying it's hard dating in L.A. They instead told me, and this was actually April Byer, who was also a guest at one point, but got me down and she's like, you know, she's like, when you tell the stories of dating, only tell, like, only really think about what you liked about someone, forget all the stuff you didn't. And then, um, I say that, you know, I haven't had the best luck dating in LA so far, but I'm hopeful. And it's kind of funny because I was practicing that for like, I guess six months and then I met my boyfriend and you know, who knows, maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe people are laughing at me, but, um, you know, as I said, I was walking around like negative, you know, being like, I'm so positive. And then I'd be like, yeah, dating in LA is hard. Um, not being positive on the area that was the hardest for me. So for everyone, like I just invite you to think about like what patterns we might be creating with our thoughts. Um, and you know, Mike, that is a reality. I'm not saying it's not. Um, and it's not an unreality that women, you know, their metabolism slows, but there are other factors too. And, and the fact that you are doing such a good job kind of speaks to, I think that, um, you know, you can truly succeed and it might become even easier if you, um, throw that language out of the out the window. <laughs> you you caught me, Devin. You got me. <laughs> I slip every now and then. 
<laughs> we all do. I mean, that's a thing. I was like, after I started saying that, I was like, oh God, I'm sorry. Um, but no, it's every single one of us. And like, you're a rock star. I mean, I've spent so much time with you and you're so positive. And as I said, like, I mean, I loved when you're like, hey, come to this TED talk. And I'm like, really? Cool. Um, you're the only person who's ever invited me to a TED talk. <laughs> um, and I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm so... Like, I could be a person who could be bummed out all the time. I could be, you know, it's, um, I don't know, it's the choices every day that we make to live your, your passion, as you said, and to, I mean, if I didn't have brownies ever, I'd be cranky, and everybody around me knows that the only time I get cranky is when I don't have food. Um, I'm not, I, don't, I can be sleep deprived and not get cranky, but when I'm hungry, man, oh. You don't want to be around me. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I'm sure there's no issue with that. You just go to the kitchen and do what you do. Right. Make, but you make, know what? Like, it's it's funny that you say that. But, I mean, it's not like a, a joke. They come in my kitchen and they're like, wow, if there's ever a tsunami in Manhattan Beach, we know where we're coming. Like, I have as much food as a grocery store in my house. But we all know that it takes time to prepare the healthy stuff. And, like, I could walk up stairs right now and munch on like you know organic graham crackers or whatever else I'm baking with but um or you know I mean I do have fruit up there I have bananas and things but but to like create a healthy meal that's you know actually a meal I mean I'll out myself I was gonna make breakfast this morning and I didn't completely get to that yet and then I'm like eh, I'll do it after the radio show it'll only be 10 which not the greatest thing in the whole world but um you know we were catching up and playing around with our mics and all sorts of stuff. So, you know, things happen. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not being too hard on yourself for what you would think to be something that's not the right thing to do. I think, right. um, you know, moment by moment, you know, you really do create yourself and you create your world. And that's, you know, that's kind of a Ted talk um, methodology of, of speaking. And the reason that we're so uh, blown away by Ted talks is that the the speaker creates themselves to be a great speaker, and then also creates the audience to be a, to be great listeners and to be excited and to be um, really there and really standing for the speaker and and wanting that speaker to be great. And if you can visualize that for yourself, that you know I'm a, I'm a great I'm a great person. I'm a great um, uh, I'm an inspiration to myself and others. And they're great. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stand for their greatness more than they're going to stand for their smallness, which is what you just did with me a minute ago. I think that's really important. So you can really create yourself to be anything you want to be. And some people would say it's faking it until you make it. But at the end of the day, it's that or you're caught up in your head and you're being this thing that, that that's not inspiring to yourself or anybody else. And then, you know, at the end of the day, it's biological. It's not logical right? It's, it's biology. So we give off these vibes that are actually tangible things. They're really a physical thing are your vibes and it's scientific. We could go deep into it. But at the end of the day, what we give out is what we get back no matter what it is. So if you have an organic graham cracker and that's kind of not really a part of your everyday, um, you know, nutrition, if you will, uh, and you're negative about it, then it might actually manifest as being this negative experience in your body and the whole thing. 
Or it could just be like, yeah, I'm going to have a graham cracker. It's going to be delicious. Oh, my God, you want one? And everybody's happy about it. It's, it's, you don't make a big deal of it, and it doesn't turn into this negative. So, well, like, and mm-hmm. yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And that is, you know, that's along the lines of what I was talking about where, yeah, it's not a big deal if I go up and I'm like, oh, I, you know, I want a treat or whatever. But I was joking like that I wouldn't do that for breakfast, <laughs> you know, like, or like I wouldn't do that because I, I try really hard not like to not eat or like, you know, to not jump into something like that because it's convenient and easy and, you know, whatever. I mean, I could justify, you know, even a frozen waffle with peanut butter and a banana on it. But I still even know that I would rather, like, wait and do my green shake or do an egg white omelet or, you know, something like that. But I want to take a second to really acknowledge you because, like, this whole thing, this whole exchange we just had... I felt horrible, to be honest, when I said that, because I'm like, oh, my God, like, I am so familiar with you that we are, you know, the fact that we're on public radio, like, I still feel like I'm talking to my friend. And so, you know, and I go into coach mode a lot. And when you said that, I'm like, oh, my God, I just like, you know, said that on the radio and like outed him. But what was so lovely about that and why I believe you're succeeding um, in addition to the fact that you're out there seeking growth things is that you were able to hear that and not get mad at me and hang up on me on live radio, even though no. I feel like a jerk. <laughs> I love you. Don't, don't feel like a jerk. Then that's what's great about you is that you are a coach and, and that's one of the best things that you could ever be in life is to really, you know, to, to, to ask those, those questions that are uncomfortable and really get people to look at themselves and 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 know that what they're doing is not working and how to replace that that language or that behavior with something that does work because there's no wrong in, in life there's nothing wrong it's just not working it, it either works or it doesn't but we make things wrong and that's as human beings is it, it's, it's really a i think a plague for humanity is that we're you know, we make everything wrong. We make people wrong, religions wrong, governments wrong, this, that, this is wrong. No, it just doesn't work. How can we make it work? And you make it work. And that's why you're so great. Well, thank you. And I mean, again, I'm going to continue to acknowledge you because this, that, that actually, like if we were in a coaching session privately, um, the fact that you were able to hear that, embrace that is why you're succeeding like you are. Like people are like, why do people keep the weight off? Sometimes it's people don't because they they are stuck in their ideas. And I was there like for years and years, you know, I would be like, I'm trying everything. And I had freaking peanut brittle under my bed. I mean, my mom will tell you there were key wrappers everywhere in secret hidden places. And like, yet I believed at that time that I was really trying and I was trying, but I was stuck and I didn't, you know, it's not, I mean, that sounds delusional that I was I don't know how to explain it. Like, it sounds delusional that I had peanut brittle under my bed. And like, yeah, I was like, but I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, you know, but, but I was like, I, part of me was, and another part of me like was stuck. And so for you to be that open and that lovely, like if you were to come to me and be like, Devin, I want you to coach, I would be like, yes. Because I mean, you don't need it now. You're doing great. But if you were a person who, you know, wasn't in your ideal place and wanted me to coach because that's the only time that I've not succeeded with people is when one, they can't be honest with me or two, they can't hear that kind of feedback. 
they, you know, want to argue back and be like, well, I can't do it because this, this, and this. I tell this story a lot, but somebody actually told me that they couldn't have water at work because they couldn't take the time to pee. And I mean, it was such a like charged, like thing that I'm like, I can't coach you. Like if you can't, if you can't see just putting something as basic as water in your body, like how critical that is, like I am not qualified to coach you, you know? And I hate to say that, but it's it's like those kind of things are just going to be uh, like a struggle, you know? Totally. Yeah, I, I totally get it. It really is the listening, right? It, how you yeah. listen to people is is what you get. Well, if you, I don't, mean, you don't really hear them, then you don't really get what they're they're giving you. And uh, so how can you transform if you don't get, you know, you don't hear them? Right. I mean, I spent seven years in therapy. Like, I don't know everything. And what I realized is that I, you know, I, um, I needed to, I, I had so many belief systems that, you know, whether it be, I mean, I have incredible parents. Everybody knows that. Like, I love them to death. And they, you know, did an amazing job with my brother, sister, and I. Like, we're all, you know, doing well in life and everything. We're not perfect. None of us are perfect. But I still needed seven years of therapy because of the food things that I picked up over time, the way I was wired and things. And, you know, it was a therapist who was like, God, you know, you have all these thoughts that are ridiculous, you know? And I'm like, whoa. And um, I really needed someone strong to, like, beat me up and, you know, kind of tear me down a little bit and show me, like, all of these wrong thoughts. And then to build me back up and, you know, show me that I could be powerful because I did have that in me. Like, I knew I had it in me. I felt it, but I just was so stuck. So, you know, I think that another person could have been completely defensive when I said that and been like, you don't know. And these studies, this and this and this and this. And if we want to believe something like for me being like, there's no good guys in LA, I could give you story after story after story to prove my point, And I could sit in my room by myself, sad and lonely. Or I can take my friend's advice and be like, huh, that's a good point. Like there's got to be some good guy there. I'm going to message that now. And again, could be a coincidence. I get it. But I would much rather go around life with a smile on my face in the meantime, being like, but there might be one for me, than sit in, like, giving you evidence of guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, Just for a happier yeah, it's life. complicated, isn't it? Yeah. Well, on that note, I can't believe that an hour has flown by already, but it has. So I know that you said you don't spend much time on social media, but if people want to learn more about you, can we? Can we, please? Is there a way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just uh, Google Mike Messina Biggest Loser and my Facebook will come up and you can always message me and ask me questions and it may be a month before I answer it, but I will answer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he will answer. He's like me. Sometimes it takes a little while. We try, we try. But, you know, when it's the difference between going to the gym and ah, just sitting in front of the computer, sometimes we have to choose the gym, as I'm sure everyone understands. <laughs> Cool. Well, thank you so, so much for being here. I can't tell you how nice it was to catch up. I'm looking forward to catching up with you in person soon. Um, in the meantime, everyone have an amazing week. Definitely message Mike if you have questions for him or as always, um, send me a message and I'll be jumping on some Facebook lives again here soon. So hope to see and or talk to everyone soon. Uh, see you next week. 
Thanks for listening to Have It All. Be sure to join Devin Alexander for another great show next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Until we talk again, have a fit and fun week.